0: You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 27. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co hosts, Jelan Eleven and Pontus Böckmann. See ya, Stock. Hey, son, hey, son. How's it going, guys? Very well. Great. How are how are things? The yeah, the EU referendum is coming up. Hmm. In the UK, that could change everything mm. on this continent. Yeah, that is scary. <laughs> we we're living in exciting times. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, more more like scary times <laughs> when you when you actually face the fact that. Decisions are in the hands of people who are misled <laughs> by false information, misinformation, the lack of information, yeah. and uh, just outright stupidity. Populism is what's really poisoning Europe right now. I don't like that. No. Never mind. Skepticism is growing. The skeptic movement is growing. We are definitely going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the greatest examples of that is coming from a listener of us.
1: Yeah. We have received an email from uh, Michael and we've been asked to read out a little statement for all our listeners. Uh, thanks, by the way, for the email. Um, so I'll go ahead and do that now. Um, in Mostviertel of Lower Austria... Um, a new local group um, of sceptics and humanists uh, will be opening soon. Nice. And they already uh, have contacted some local groups uh, of Austrian sceptics and humanists, uh, but they would just like to address um, and reach some more people uh, via our help. And that's exactly why we're here to do uh, that. So the new group will be called Initiative Humanism and Scepticism Most Wertel um, so I'll just read out, um, the contact details that people can reach them, uh, uh via various channels. Mm-hmm. Twitter, Twitter handle is ihs underscore mostviertel. M-O-S-T-V-I-E-R-T-E-L. Uh, email is again ihs underscore mostviertel at at. Um and basically they're saying that the first meeting will probably take place in July 2016 either in Melk or Sankt Pölten. Mhm. So there
2: we go. Very good luck to them then. I hope yes. uh, to he- yeah. hope we hear from them and uh, that they report back how it go- how it's going. Yeah. Yeah,
0: please uh Mikhail, if you're listening to this, please uh let us know how it went. Good luck. And everywhere else if something um of a similar kind happens if you are planning to launch um, a regular event or a, or a new group, just let us know. You know, uh, there is one reason, one very good reason why it's a good idea to do that. It's the same reason why uh, we kept telling everyone that we were planning on uh, launching a European Skeptics podcast. Because once you do that, there's no way, to, uh, th- there's no way back. You have to do it. Otherwise, you're making a complete fool of yourself mm-hmm. in front of everyone. <laughs> so if you really want to... Yeah, it's
2: a way of making it happen. <laughs> Tell everybody that you're going to do it. Then you just have to.
1: No turning back, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's a great... I guess it's a great motivation, if, if nothing else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. obviously, it wasn't the only motivation for us to do it. It's just... Uh, it it's, it gives, <laughs> gives you the extra push. Well...
2: We were not so hard to convince, I think.
1: We did it because Andres made us.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I made you an offer you couldn't refuse.
0: made us do
2: it. Never mind. So, uh,
0: by the way, um, Michal used the contact form on our website, which is a good move. Thank you very much. Um, I hope that there will be many, many followers as well. Um, But we have a listener who's contacted us on several occasions which we are very grateful. That's Eggman, or Brian Ego from uh, Glasgow Skeptics. And uh, we reported that they would um, uh, hold a debate on the EU referendum in the the UK. And uh, that's what they did. He mentions, and that's why I'm elaborating on this a bit, that a lot of sceptic groups have a don't-do-politics policy. And this is not necessarily the best approach because all things considered we are affected by political decisions and if we are not willing to debate those publicly then how on earth do we want our politicians to accept our opinions or or at least give it a thought so i'm glad it worked well and one of the, the one of the best examples is given by sense about science Just recently, they published a document uh, with the title Missing Evidence, an inquiry into the delayed publication of government commissioned research. Last year, Sense About Science uh, contacted Sir Stephen Sedley, who's a former judge in the Court of Appeal, and now a trustee at Sense About Science. The summary of his findings on the non-publication of government commissioned research goes like this. The UK government spends around £2.5 billion a year on research for policy, but does not know how many studies it has commissioned or which of them have been published. Let that sink in for a bit. Yeah. That's that's terrible.
2: It's scary. Mm-hmm.
0: It is. Only four out of 24 government departments maintain a database of research they have commissioned.
2: So it's not only that they don't know what's been delivered, they don't even know what they've ordered.
0: No, they commissioned a research yeah. and they, they don't and they keep track it. of it. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So what the hmm. heck is that? Is that just money laundering? Well, we call it room for improvement. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so this is, this is the best way for money to disappear in the hands of our politicians. They commission a research, they allocate the money, and it disappears. Terrible. And government officials are forced to use Google to track down their department's research. That's the, the third uh, point of the summary. And that's the UK. So it would be interesting to see what other countries are doing in that sense. So this is when transparency really becomes extremely important. So you have to keep track of your research. Very important. transparency, transparency. Transparency. What else? Do you know, do you remember us mentioning the um, Spanish speaking periodicals mm-hmm. uh, for skeptics? Yeah. So, Escepticos. Escepticos. Uh, and I didn't mention Escepticos just um, came out a bit more than a week ago, and it features the story of Sanal Amaruku. Yeah, right. Because it's been it's been four years that he's been in Finland mm-hmm. after he had to flee India. If our listeners who speak Spanish want to read it, uh, we're going to add the link um, to the show notes because there is a free PDF file that you can download.
2: Yeah, so if you want to hear about it uh, from Sanal Edmaruco himself, you can download our episode number 22 if you haven't done so already. and You can hear him talk about it himself. If you want to do it
0: uh, on the website, you have to dig for it a bit. Uh, as of now but we are working on putting together a very good uh, archive page um, and we appreciate your patience about that but you'll still find it on the website uh, but if you go on SoundCloud You'll definitely find the track. And if you go on the Facebook page, yeah. you'll find that yeah. too.
2: And in most most uh, apps that for podcasts, you can also search yeah. for, for uh, or look through all the episodes quite easily. Yeah,
0: yeah, on iTunes and then everywhere.
2: But I, I think this,
0: this is the best time to go through all the different ways you can contact us.
1: Find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at ESPodcast underscore EU. Um, you can uh, like us on Facebook you can also message us th- through our website, which is theesp.eu, and email us info at esp.eu.
0: But you can also go on iTunes. And leave us a comment. A review. A good one or a good one. Yeah, if, if you wouldn't leave an, a nice review, please don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it! But if you, if you want to say nice things about us, then please go ahead and uh why don't you accompany it with uh five stars as well that would be very much appreciated thank you thanks so <laughs> much yeah all right i think it's about time we actually launched this episode with all the exciting segments we have lined up for you today Yelena <laughs> Yes Andrish the day we are looking for now is the 17th of June, do you have someone who was born on that day to talk about? I do indeed. The person who was born on June
1: 17th, 1603, um, was somebody called uh, Joseph of Cupertino. Um, He was an Italian conventual Franciscan friar who is honoured as a Christian mystic and saint. He was said to have been remarkably unclever, uh, but prone to miraculous levitation and intense ecstatic visions that left him uh, gaping. His Wikipedia page isn't particularly great, so um, there aren't many sources at all. Majority of them link to websites uh, that are of a religious nature,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like Catholic, en- Catholic Encyclopedia, etc. There are no proofs of him Levitating, apparently he claimed that he levitated, and um, therefore he did. I mean, how does it even follow? And he was actually prosecuted by Inquisition for a while because, as the phenomenon of flying or levitation was widely
2: believed to be connected with witchcraft, mm-hmm. I was flying without a license. I
0: think. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah.
1: So then uh, Joseph was denounced to the Inquisition. The, he was transferred from one institution to another. was uh, confined in a cell for a while uh, until he was finally uh, allowed was allowed to return to a conventional community. Now, I don't really understand how how it works. So, okay, he says he can fly. Then he is being accused of witchcraft and um, about to be burned as, as in an Inquisition. Then he dies and then he becomes a saint. I it's it, just anyway. No sense, but I guess one cannot find sense in things like that. Um So, of course, skeptics are not convinced <laughs> that Cupertino, uh ever possessed uh, any mag- magical uh, or paranormal powers. And apparently they have... Uh, so some people suggested that um alleged eyewitness reports of his levitations are unreliable as they are subject to gross exaggeration or written years after his death. So something that one of the explanations as one of the historians offers is um so basically he's saying uh, a guy called uh, john cornwall he was a british academic um he's saying that human poisoning due to the consumption of rye bread made from ergot infected grain was common in europe in the middle ages so during the time when um joseph lived and um it was uh known to cause convulsion symptoms and hallucinations so John Cornwall then suggested that Cupertina had consumed rye bread, therefore, basically was poisoned by it. And uh, according to Cornwall, um, <clears throat> here perhaps he he said that here perhaps lie the key to his levitation. After sampling his own loaves, he evidently believed he was taken off. So basically, yeah, hallucinating and stuff like that. It might or might not be true, but you know there is explanation as to why he. Yeah. So there we go. Um. Very interesting. And he is, to this day, uh, a patron saint of air travellers. Good for me. Aviators or astronauts. And people with men- mental handicap right. still good for me. Also, <laughs> also test takers and poor students.
0: Yeah,
2: and and so that, that you see where a severe food poisoning can take you. You become a saint, and you became the patron saint of everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but the the whole story is, is very very strange. The interesting thing is that that you you, you have these stories from from different saints. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and. And different miracles, but explanations for out-of-body experiences, for uh, levitational experiences, for gaping. Uh, like I had a f- a friend as a, as a kid, and he he had this mild v- uh, epilepsy, and all of a sudden, in the middle of play, he was just staring in front of him, and he did it for 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 a minute or so.
2: But was he flying?
0: No. But still. <laughs> still <laughs> hadn't we known that that he, he, he was epileptic then, yeah, we could have come up with weird explanations. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who Philip Neri was? You? No. No. Yeah, Philip Neri. He was canonized as well, but th- that that wasn't his fault. But he in his life debunked a few people. Who claimed to perform miracles?
2: <laughs> and then he became canonized after that. And that, then he became canonized. Oh, yeah. But, uh, oh. yeah yeah.
0: because he had his own miracles as well, yeah. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, never mind. Oh, by the way, have you heard about the, the Swedish woman who was canonized recently?
2: I, well, yes.
1: What like a modern mm. somebody who lived like, like in 20th century? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I didn't oh. read a lot about it. No, but uh, yes. You're I kidding know me. of it. So what did she do? I have no idea. Um
1: <laughs> Did she give birth without without having sex?
0: No, no, no. She she was saving Jews during the Second World War. But that's Oh, that's that's good then. So it's a good thing, but the, the interesting part of this is that f- in order to become canonized and first of all, to be it, uh and then to get to be canonized, you have to have proof of having performed miracles.
2: Yeah. Mm. Two, I think. You have to have two two, two miracles under your belt two. to yeah. to qualify, yeah.
0: So uh, And the Vatican has this committee who have to investigate the, the miracles.
2: It's a it's a lot like, you know, it's the Vatican's got talent or something like that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you go on stage and probably. you levitate a bit, or, you, yeah, I don't know.
0: So, yeah, it's a political decision, nothing else. I mean, yes, that's very nice. She saves a lot of Jews, but is it the reason to canonize someone?
2: Apparently not. You have to have the miracles as well.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't know what they were. Yeah, I, I don't know either, but it was it was still interesting. Okay. Never mind. Thanks very much, Yelena. All right. Okay, let's move on to find out what's going on in the coming week in Europe.
2: So before we go into the, the skeptics in the pub and whatnot, let me just remind everybody that uh, Brian Clement is on his uh, European tour. We talked about it briefly on the last episode and I will mention him again later this episode. But uh, he, he is uh, claiming to cure cancer and MS and a lot of other things. And he's currently, as I said, on his European tour. He will be in Germany on the 17th and the 18th. Uh, uh, and then on sunday the 19th he'll be in norway he will be in sweden uh, in stockholm on the 20th on monday and uh, so we are currently there are some activism going on uh, to to try to counter this and to make sure that he doesn't uh, do too well on his european tour um he is mm-hmm. a very dangerous man yes he is we have happier things to talk about as well? Yes.
1: Berlin, 19th of June. Um, there will be a Berlin Skeptics Roundtable with Mark, Fabian, Bach. They will be discussing the practice of Waldorf education, um, which is an interesting subject because there is a lot of, con- well, somewhat controversy around the way that they run the schools. Um, it's, a Ru- it's Rudolf Steiner who started the, the movement. So if you're interested and you are in Berlin,
2: come along. On Monday, the 20th, uh, there is another full moon pub in Göteborg. Yay! Uh, yeah, it's a good tradition. We uh, we know they keep up their full moon pubs and uh, normally a very nice uh, events.
0: Yeah, I got an invitation from them on Twitter. Mm, really? Are you going? Yes. <laughs> yeah, whenever I'm in Göteborg, <laughs> I will definitely go along and I will try to make it happen Mm. because i really want to meet those guys (laughs) yeah actually if i could i would go everywhere um to skeptics in the pub meetings that's so much fun Mm. get to know other skeptics by the way on that day glasgow skeptics they have a social meeting so Mm. no talk just banter (laughs) that's
2: (laughs) that's their motto
0: yeah (laughs) yeah that's the motto yeah
1: on the 20th of june there'll be uh reading skeptics in a pub with dr john brugal um so that that's very interesting talk they're going to have um the subject is are we discovering new antibiotics quickly enough Mm. so the, the issues of why the antibiotics development pipeline has dried up and what are the problems and
2: how it could be resolved so fascinating and on Wednesday the 22nd in Bristol there is a Skeptics in the Pub talk by Karen Douglas who is a professor of social psychology of the University of Kent and that's about uh, secrets and lies uh, the psychology of conspiracy theories (laughs) so this is about 9-11 and climate change and Princess Diana and lots of other things
0: Mm. exciting stuff on the next day, Thursday, the 23rd, a huge thing is happening. It's the EU referendum. But in Italy, in the province of Cuneo, which is in, up, in, up north in uh, Piemonte, uh, there is a small town called Alba. And the Rationally Alcoholic Meeting, which is the, the equivalent of a skeptics in the pub, is uh, happening. Uh, the title is Against Nature. So they're going to be talking about GMOs, gluten-free um, and the radioactive pasta and things of, of, of that kind. Beatrice Moutino is the speaker. So thanks very much and please use the above mentioned ways to contact us if you have an event chapter, local chapter or anything that you want to us to promote to other people from europe thanks very much guys and now it's time to talk about interesting topics from europe
2: so uh, if we had had this podcast about a year ago uh, this would uh, this news item would have made the really wrong segment i think because what happened last year was that uh, coop who is a, a swedish chain of uh, grocery stores they have about 600 uh, stores in in uh, in the country they they released a video uh, about a family uh, they released that there was a commercial about a family uh, they would taken blood samples from each of the members in the family before and then for for 2 weeks they were only allowed to eat organic food and they could see in the, in the blood samples that, uh, there had pesticides in their bloodstreams in the beginning. And then it turned out to be zero at the end of the two weeks. And isn't it good with organic food? The reason I, I bring it up now is that they, uh, got sued for this uh, commercial by something called the Swedish Crop Protection Association. Which uh, is a trade association for Swedish crop protection companies, uh, uh, because it is it was really very misleading. Uh, because believe it or not, I mean, first of all, the amounts of, of pesticides that they could detect in 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 the this family's uh, blood before the experiment were minute. They were so very very small, and of course, if you don't. So it was nothing dangerous at all. And of course, if you don't eat, eat any uh, food that has had those pesticides on it, it will disappear over time. But what they didn't do was that they didn't measure pesticides that are used in organic food. Because, believe it or not, and a lot of people do not believe this, even organic food can, be, uh, can use pesticides. However, they use other things, but they didn't check for that so it was extremely misleading and i looked into a little bit what these uh, pesticides are that are allowed for organic uh, food and uh, it's um and it, it how much how dangerous it is but if we go back and say we measure we measure uh, how lethal a poison is with something called ld50 do you know what that is uh yeah Andros yeah, when you administer
0: uh, the thing fifty th- percent uh, of the population of those that uh, administered it to die
2: exactly, so if you make a, a, an ex- experiment fifty uh, percent of the of the population dies if you administer this this doses yeah so um and this is measured in milligrams per kilogram body weight, so a big animal can handle more. than than a small animal, so that's why it's per kilogram body weight. And just to get the numbers uh, correct, table salt has a um, LD50 value of 3,000. Baking soda has uh, a value of 4,220. Uh, uh, Interesting enough, glyphosate, which is Roundup, which is very much uh, in the news when we talk about GMO food, it has uh, a higher number, which is that means it's less toxic 5600 milligrams per kilo but if you look at organic food you have uh, things that you can use uh, as pesticides such as acetic acid which is the same as vinegar uh, 3310 so that's more poisonous than uh, Roundup Uh, boron uh, 560 so that's even more and copper sulfate 300 milligrams per kilo so (laughs) if they had measured in this investigation if they had measured the the levels of copper sulfate Mm -hmm. those would have gone up probably because that's allowed and that's used by by uh, organic food uh, farmers Uh, This is interesting, we'll see how it all pans out, but I'm glad that finally somebody is suing them for this uh, video, because it seemed very, very convincing when you saw the video, but it's because they didn't measure all the things that they could measure. They only measured the things that they knew would go away if people ate organic instead.
0: Wow. It's all the misleading things, right? Yeah. So
2: yeah, and it's making the news internationally here. It's yeah. not just a Swedish thing. Yeah. There is something that
0: didn't really make the international news for some reason, but uh, since they are the, the, the from a neighboring country to Hungary, that is Romania, um, the the Hungarian uh, news agency, uh, which is called Magyar Távirati Iroda, it's called Hungarian Telegraphic Office, uh, if you want. Uh, uh, literal translation apparently there is a public prosecution case going on against 26 general practitioners in the country for fabricating clinical trials and um, apparently there are five pharmaceutical companies being investigated in this case because they gave some incentive to uh, these uh, doctors for um administering drugs illegally yeah so so how they did it was they collected all the patient's data and and in in return for the for the patient's data uh that they gathered from the patients themselves they provided them with um prescriptions and they prescribed several uh, examinations to be done on them so that they could acquire the certificate that is necessary for them to go on a pension so this was a payoff for for the patients themselves Mm -hmm. then they used these fictional uh, these uh, data gathered from the patients and fabricated the actual clinical trials Mm -hmm. Of course, they, they didn't do any of the, the, the clinical trials. So that's, that's a very interesting
2: and, and very scary thing to, to be reported on. Those uh, fabricated studies that you mentioned, were they actually published somewhere? According to the, the Hungarian news agency, they were used
0: for the authorization of these drugs on the Romanian uh-huh. market. Okay. You know, when you have to provide clinical trials for the authorization of a certain drug on the market,
2: one would think they should be peer reviewed, but maybe Oh yeah. But yeah,
0: yeah apparently this mm. this could happen. Yeah. The other thing is that just recently there were 77 oncologists that were under investigation because there was one particular pharmaceutical company that offered them trips to India as incentive to prescribe their their drugs. Which is interesting in a way, because this is, as far as I know, this is the general practice among pharmaceutical companies. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, that's that's how i perceived the information about those so this is interesting but apparently there are several cases investigate uh under investigation um uh, for uh, involvement in corruption uh within the healthcare system of romania so that's interesting and uh since i cannot read in romanian I would very much appreciate some help from anybody listening from Romania. If you could help help us sorting out this, that would be very much appreciated. But that's why I mentioned the item, that I want more information. So please, if you're from Romania, let us know what you know about it. Good. Thank you.
2: Good.
0: Well, let's move on to our next segment. Yalana. Yes, Andres? It's time for us to learn about yet another logical fallacy. What do you have for us today?
1: I have things for you today. Um, today I, I chose a begging the question logical fallacy. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's. I think it's fairly re- frequently used. Oh, yeah. um, now, the term begging the question is often misused to mean raises the question and common Use will likely change or at least uh, add this new definition. However, uh, the intended meaning is to assume a conclusion is in one's question. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's similar to circular reasoning when an argument is trying to slip in a conclusion into a premise or a question, but it is not the same as circular reasoning because the question being begged can be a separate... Whereas with the circular reasoning, the premise and conclusion are the same. So I have couple of examples of begging the question uh, fallacy. So one of them is um, this one. What are alternative medicine skeptics um, afraid of? So this question um, it has got some assumptions in it. Like, for example, that skeptics, are, well, IES, are afraid of something so um, and it's um it's a a wrong starting point. This is like a double feature of begging the question by using the term holdout, the question assumes that acceptance uh, is already become the majority position and is inevitable, so yeah, it assumes that we're all afraid of something
2: i have a I have an example that I usually use mm-hmm. a, a lot of investigations around acupuncture tries to find out how it works mm-hmm. But the real question is if it works. Yes. So you're asking, in, in, you say, if you're asking how it works, you already, impl- already imply that it's already established that, that it works. And, and that is, uh, to me, uh, a good example of this.
1: My other example went like this. Paranormal activity is real because I have experienced what can only be described as paranormal activity. Now, the claim paranormal activity is real is supported by the premise. I have experienced that what can only be described. The premise... Presupposes or assumes that the claim paranormal
0: um, activity is real is already true. So, yeah.
1: Th- that was my other example, that's all.
0: It's kind of um, being treated as self explanatory paranormal activity. Okay, yeah. But that's when you jump in and say, okay, but well, what's paranormal activity? Yeah. That's the question is begging. <laughs> Thanks very much, Eleanor. Always a pleasure. Pontus. Yes. Someone's been really wrong lately, I'm pretty sure. Always a lot of uh, people
2: are wrong. So this time it is uh, an American person, even though uh, we're a European podcast. He is currently touring Europe, and we've mentioned him before uh, already in the show. It's Brian Clement. He gets the prize for being really wrong. Mm -hmm. He (coughs) He is... Uh, head of a uh, an institute in Florida called the Hippocrates Institute. He is treating uh, people for all kinds of things uh, like cancer, like MS, like uh, other incurable diseases. And he uses uh, things like wheatgrass juice enemas, raw food and all other kinds of unproven or disproven techniques. Mm-hmm. and he has claimed many many times that he can reverse uh, uh cancer he can do things like that uh he was in the news quite a lot uh, this winter because there were uh, there were two uh cases which came to the public's attention uh two young girls uh suffering from leukemia and uh, their parents took their kids to this institute instead of taking them off the conventional uh, uh, treatments and one of the uh, girls died uh, very tragically the other one was pulled out uh, in the last minute and is now receiving a conventional treatment anyway mm. amazingly he he denies all of this of course when when um, when uh, being uh, Uh, you're challenged with uh, doing this and uh, he says he's never claimed to uh, to cure cancer and he's never claimed to do anything illegal but listen here this is a video clip uh, on the internet which we will link to where you can hear him say things like this so this is Brian Clement uh, on a session which he by the way charges quite a lot for to attend
0: because we've had more people reverse cancer than any institute in the history of healthcare. So when McGill fails or Toronto Hospital fails, they come to us, stage four, and they reverse it.
2: So when McGill, and McGill is the is University of Montreal, so when McGill fails or Toronto Hospital fails, they come to us, stage four, and it means cancer, and they reverse it. So uh, we have him on, have him on tape saying these things. And, I mean, it's absolutely dangerous, reckless. Mm. I cannot, you know, it's very hard to speculate uh, what goes on in people's mind. But when you listen to this guy speak and, uh, and hear what he has to say, it's very, very hard to believe that he believes what he's claiming he is such a slick salesperson mm. and cur- currently as we've said before he is now in the in, on a european tour and hopefully we he will not get uh, a very big outreach and hopefully we can sort of counteract his uh, his uh, propaganda tour here and and make people aware of how phony this is
0: you know if this went out and it is publicly available, this statement of his, this should be attacked by McGill. Yeah. Because McGill it runs the most prominent cancer research uh, center in Canada. They are yeah. they are one of the, the leading uh, cancer research institutes in the world. They should be attacking him for this. Yeah. Because he's, he's dangerous. I can't wait to hear how his talks go and how many skeptics appear at his talks. You know, I think there's different
2: approaches you can take that. If you, if you go to one of his so-called rallies or, or talks and you tape him and, and you catch him saying in, uh, things that are illegal... Uh, I think that is a good approach. I don't know how much you gain by by bringing big, uh, uh, ba- you know, <laughs> making a big noise and try to to mm. f- uh, you know stop him. I don't think that that's the best way. But that's just me. I I've, I, I should mention also as well, just to to tell how how dishonest he is, uh, and that is he's 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 presented himself as having a PhD, uh, or being an NMD which is a naturopathic medical doctor and he's used the title doctor at a many, several times his wife is a co-director of the Hippocrates Institute uh, she has made similar claims and also including a claim that she graduated from the non-existent Denmark University there is no Denmark University so well for him probably uh, this tour this European
0: tour is the time to find out that Europe is not a country. <laughs> for yeah, they, they could be for, for, for the same reason there could be a Denmark university for him.
2: Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but I, but it's, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I mean, he, he he. You know, somebody said, and it wasn't me, so don't sue me. That the 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 the, the reason to think that he's lying is that he's opening his mouth. And I think that's <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty hard and I didn't say that but I can sympathize with the sentiment. Uh, okay. All right. Nice. So nice. the prize for being really wrong goes to Brian Clement uh for being uh less than honest. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> for being a fucking liar. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And promoter of pseudoscience and not even pseudoscience, but just outright bullshit yeah that's 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 yeah. a good way to put it yeah and now that we mentioned the possibility of uh, local skeptics to go and attend his events um across Europe, it brought it uh, brought brought something to my mind um have you listened to episode four ninety eight of the skeptic Zone?
2: Yes, yes, I have, and I know what you're referring to—to the anti-vaxxers, the anti-vaxxers report, yeah, who 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 disrupted a a, an information meeting. So they just yelled and were total douchebags. And I think that's a good example how you should not behave, regardless of what you're what you're promoting, regardless if you're right or wrong. That's not the way to do it because they just make themselves out to be real, you know, dickheads.
0: Debating something, that's that's good. That's okay. I, you can attend uh, an event like that. Uh, you can ask questions. Um, yeah, feel free to debate uh, wh- whoever speaks. But calling them names, calling them liars, on the spot, calling them... Whatever you want to call them,
2: and asking questions and then interrupting yeah. when people are trying to answer, yeah, with more questions and saying you're lying, blah blah blah, you know that it it just it just makes you look like a yeah
0: you're you're basically being a dickhead when you're doing that. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's not it's not nice. So I do hope that no skeptic will behave like that with um, Brian Clement. Yeah, we can call him a douchebag here because we're not interrupting yeah. him. Uh we're... exactly. And uh we're not being nasty. We're
2: But it but there are other things you can do as well. I mean, contact the venue where he's going to to uh, be there, uh, yeah. where he's going to to talk and inform them of who they have booked as a speaker because in many cases they don't know who who this guy is. Uh you can do that. You can also contact the press. You can you can you can you con- contact uh, your local uh, uh, political leaders or or yeah. the you know the mayor or whatever system you have in your country and 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 uh, inform them about what's going on uh, that that is a good idea i think and you don't even have to do too much of research
0: if you want to do that because uh thanks to michael marshall from the Good thinking society who who's put together uh press releases in english about that so if you contact us or if you contact uh the good thinking society you can acquire that and you can use it to translate it into your own la- own language and what else you can do with those and with the information you can put together leaflets and before people go and attend the event or on th- on their way in you can just simply hand them the leaflets mm. With the information about, for example, about those two people uh, Pontus mentioned who were badly affected by his quackery. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea.
0: And that's something, that's one of the examples of what Susan referred to, uh, if you remember our interview with Susan on the last episode, uh, as guerrilla gr- uh, skepticism. <laughs> mm. You don't have to be a total dick and interrupt him when he speaks before he speaks you can talk to the people yeah so go ahead and do it and let
2: us know (laughs) (laughs) let us know and we will follow up on this i'm I'm sure something will come out of this and we will report back uh, uh, if not next next episode the episode after that and see how it all went definitely yeah
0: yeah so thanks very much pontus thank you You know what I would like to hear now, Yelena? <laughs> You'd like to
1: hear a quote.
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: Oh, yeah, And I have one. Uh, this quote is by Hilary Mary Mantle, uh, who is an English writer. It is the absence of facts that frightens people, the gap you open into which they pour their fears, fantasies and desires.
2: Nice. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, that's very true, I think.
1: That's where all the fairy tales come from.
2: Yeah. But you shouldn't let absence of fact uh, scare you. You shouldn't, but but it's very easily No, it's very stimulating, because then that means that there's more to find out. But I
1: think that's when people go... So people who are stimulated by absence of fact become scientists, and people who are scared become religious or...
0: Oh. I think in, in a way we all tend to like an easy answer. Mm, mm. And a straight answer to everything, it requires a certain amount of getting used to. Yeah. To, to accept a situation when you don't get a, a straight answer. You have more questions than you have answers. Yeah. And uh, I think many science communicators have said that before that not having answers is still better than having wrong answers.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: I just want to give shout, uh, give a shout out to all the listeners again for quotes that are uh, women uh, well, was, were said by women scientists yeah. or uh, science yeah. educators um, etc please come forward <laughs> email us um, on at info at theesp.eu or go on our website theesp.eu and complete the contact form thank you so much
0: uh, thanks very much. All right. Well, I believe this is all we had time for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And I did. <laughs> I did too. You, Yalala? Yeah, I
1: did too. Yeah, good, great time. Yeah, great good time.
0: for all of us. Okay, so thanks very much, Yelama for joining me. Thank you. And thanks very much, Pontus. Thanks a lot. Talk to you again next time, which is in about a week from now. Until then, goodbye. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: Bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time. But until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats... was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rupp and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can be
1: I'll just try to say it in a, in a native language. Initiative humanismus und skepticismus
0: mostrovertel. That sounded a bit <laughs> Russian, but never mind. I have an no idea.
1: <laughs> I, know, I, I know, right? Like, I'm trying to do some sort of an accent. Good, but good it's,
0: material it's for like, uh, cutouts. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Um, <laughs> you can um, tweet us.
0: <laughs> tweet us? <laughs> uh. I don't know why I said that. Twitas, it sound it sounded <laughs> like Spanish. Yeah, no, <laughs> um. Los Tuitas.
2: Let me just focus. Let me just focus.
0: Focus Pontus <laughs> Oh it, it sounds like a spell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Focus pontus Focus <laughs>
2: focus, Focus Focus Pontus.
0: Yeah. Focus yeah. <laughs> focus focus pontus. <peeking out> Yalla, do you have a do you have a joke today?
1: All right, yeah, I've got one. I've got one. Come on, um, <laughs> are
0: you ready? <laughs> yes, we are.
1: Pavlov is sitting in the pub, enjoying a pint. The phone rings, and he jumps up, shouting, "Oh shit! I forgot to feed the dog."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that is funny. That is that. funny. That's
2: really good. Best one yet. Okay, thank you. Keep them coming.
0: I will do.